Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Welcome to our next episode of Tapping Into Spirit. I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith, and joined as usual by my wonderful co-hosts, Glenda Jones and Zawadi Powell. How are you ladies doing today? Awesome. Doing well. You're not going to get better this week? Yeah, <laughs> I can get better without announcing it to you this week. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, yeah, this week's topic, topic we're going to talk about self-healing. This is something that um, I think we all get asked about quite a, quite a bit in our respective work. Um, Glenda, you kind of brought this up as a topic and um, had some good thoughts about why. Um, why don't you say a little bit to introduce the topic and then we'll, we'll jump right in. Well, um, so as we were thinking of topics, I was thinking through um, some of the questions that either I have asked or ha has, have been asked of me on this journey. Um, and so when I think of myself as a healer, I first think of my responsibility to self-healing. Um, I believe that it's important for um, me to go through the process continuously seeking um, healing, enlightenment, or just the opportunity for growth and development. And that the only way that I will be able to help others is if I am engaged in a process to help myself. Mm. Um, that, that to me is really important in a lot of things that we do because we do teach so much by example. Mm -hmm. um, so um, then you kind of came up with the idea of us talking about the journey of the self-healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in my work, people, you know, constantly telling people you got to do the work to get to where you want to be. And so the question always comes, well, what does the work look like? And that is a vague question that has many, many different answers um, because there isn't one way to do the work. There are, in my, in my estimation, there are a number of different ways. And as I began to be asked that question uh, many, many years ago, it made me start thinking about, well, hey, well, what exactly did I do? And a lot of the work that I did was kind of haphazard. It just, I was in the midst of various turmoils and I needed to do something to bring some relief to my spirit, to my soul. And so I started just engaging various processes to to make that happen. Um, what about you, Zawadi? What do you yeah, I think um, like one of the main things for me, an ongoing theme is um, like self-analysis and being blatantly honest with yourself mm. and sort of seeing yourself from another perspective, like almost outside of yourself, looking down and, you know, saying, what am I doing? You know, like what, what, what cycles do I keep running? You know, what mentalities are, am I holding on to? You know, what relationships am I um, engaging in with people and what effect does that have on me? And so uh, for me, self-healing is like a constant process because I sort of see it as, um, as you know, an, an evolutionary path. And 
I think that um, it starts really with that, that whole self-analysis sort of, you know, that, that honesty to be able to see yourself not as you think you are, <laughs> but as you really are, you know, <laughs> and um, that, that can be difficult sometimes. That can be very difficult because we, we want to think that we're seeing what we're seeing. And so even, you know, coming outside of the bubble and looking at ourselves as others see us can be a real challenge. Um, even when we, we may think we're doing it, but not realize that we're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember um, I gave an example before of, of um, me having a conversation with this woman and she was going, we were planning a party and she was going, oh, stop yelling at me. I said, I'm not yelling. And she said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not yelling. And my friend was sitting on the couch and he happened to be listening to me say, I'm not yelling. And he said, bruh, you are yelling. <laughs> and I would have never admitted to her that I was yelling. I would have argued her to the end, but he didn't have any reason to not be on my quote unquote side. He was right. just being objective and providing me feedback. I couldn't see myself. And as much as I think that I know I look at myself and I know myself in that moment, I had it all wrong. And so I had to say, oh, well, I guess I am yelling. I'm my bad, I'm sorry. And then adjust my behavior from there. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's just an example of how we just can't see sometimes what other people see. Well, as someone who talks very loud, I just wanna say that yelling is an actual language. And if people can't accept that, <laughs> then maybe they need to get earplugs or something. <laughs> but that's a whole nother conversation because as African people, we are very expressive and we like to emote and talk with our hands and other people don't understand that and think we're being aggressive. Um, but even we, I remember being in Nigeria and listening to people have conversations and going, man, they are just angry, but they weren't, they were just, you know, they were talking yeah. about Whatever. No, this is but, this is how I talk. This is just right. how I talk. It sounds <laughs> so harsh, and just listening to it, and, and, and not knowing the language, it just sounded like they were gonna get into a fight. But no, mm -hmm. they were just having a. I said, "What? What were y'all arguing about?" Well, we weren't arguing. We were just talking about. <laughs> like, wow, it sounds like y'all were about to come to blows. So, you know, that being said, in that moment though, um, I was yelling and arguing and. Um, not having a constructive conversation was the, was mm -hmm. the I think sometimes um, for me, I need to, in, like in a situation like that where someone may say, why are you yelling or why are you raising your voice? That when I'm able to operate my best in spirit, even though I may not feel that I'm yelling, if my goal is to have a peaceful conversation with them versus me being right, then I need to evaluate how I respond to that. Mm. And so even if I think I'm not yelling, then to say I wasn't intending to yell and then take my voice down a little. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we get so caught up and it's part of the journey. I know for me, and I'm with Zawadi, it's, for me, as long as I live, I will be on the journey. I will be working on this self-healing and this growth and development. Mm -hmm. But part of it is um, being able to listen to what other people are saying to you. And you know, you really have to take it personally. But if the goal is, if, if it to be problem, to be a solution oriented, then a solution in a situation like that could be just bringing the voice down. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to, to think that way. And it's not always easy. I know it's not for me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not for me. And even that, that whole process of, you know, surveying people's reactions and then making, you know, judgments or decisions about yourself based upon that is also very complex and can be problematic. And so that's why it's so important to surround yourself with people who you trust and who are, you know, um, also, you know, compassionate or have good intentions for you because it can also happen that someone can have a reaction to you 
of their perceived, you know, um, your per their, their perception of what you meant or what you were doing, which is not accurate. And then you will be doing all kinds of acrobatics trying to change yourself. And then later on in conversation with someone else, you will find out that that whole conversation was connected to that person's perception. And it's not actually, um, you know, a characteristic of your personality. And so, you know, it, like the whole thing is like a whole conundrum because there's so many different dynamics to trying to get to the truth of your own behavior and your own, you know, I guess, psychology or mentality or interactions with people. There, there are so many different layers and things and, and, and sort of lenses that you have to consider um, that you, you can't always take someone's word for how you're affecting them. You have to still be very thoughtful about what that means and what that lens, where that lens came from. I was thinking more of, of effective communication versus me accepting what they're saying. Because if in this moment we're communicating and one person feels that the other is yelling, then we are not going to be able to have successful communication. Right. And I don't have to own what they say in order for me to accept that if I lower my voice, then maybe we can continue to communicate. If right, I but then I, I come from, you know, a, a, a situation where I was constantly told to lower my voice until, to the point where my voice was not heard anymore. And because the person who was telling me that wanted to be very domineering and wanted to, you know, be the only voice that was happening in the room. And so... You know, in, in hearing someone, you know, giving you feedback about your behavior, you still have to critically think through that because, you know, sometimes we can be in relationship or in connection with someone who doesn't have our highest interests at heart, and we may not even recognize that. And so that's why I think the whole self-analysis, you know, like owning your behavior and recognizing, you know, how it's affecting people and then thinking through every situation to make sure that, the feedback you're getting is the truth. Um, the, the, the perception that you're giving off is what you want to give off. You know, the, the changes that you want to see in yourself, you know, the evolution that you're, you're, you're aiming for or the goal that you have, that you own it. And it is, you know, in alignment with, you know, what you think of yourself. Because, you know, what if um, you are with someone who's abusive and they're constantly telling you to be quiet. You know, you talk too much, you're too loud. You know, you can't just take that for face value. You have to also be able to recognize that, you know what, I'm not too loud. You're the only one who's saying this to me. And in all these other situations, you know, that's not happening. So what you're saying is true. You know, I agree with you that that is important sometimes that you do have to have effective communication and take feedback. But I, I'm just saying that in taking feedback, we also have to be very careful because the ultimate goal is to get to the truth of our own behavior, our own development, and our own um, goals for our evolution. Well, let's address the truth. What's truth? Because my truth and your truth can both be true and be different. And that's why each of us has our own individual truth and we deal with the consequences and the karma and the... Um, you know, sometimes the blessings of how we interact with our truth. Absolutely. So when I say lowering my voice, <clears throat> part of, of, of what you're saying, I understand that we can have relationship with people who don't have our best interests at heart. The majority of, of my disagreements where I know I need to pay attention to my voices with the people who I love and they love me. And I think a lot of us live like that, that a lot of us are having disagreements with sometimes people in our household or people who we interact with in business or people we work with or like they aren't always people who are attempting to abuse us. That I disagree are, with that. Okay, well, and, and that's okay. It's not about agreeing It's about my reality. I didn't say that was your reality. I said it was my reality. My no, reality is I'm in a relationship with someone, a romantic relationship. I'm going to have arguments with them. And if, and if my goal is for us to work together and my raising my voice is, is interfering with that, and I feel that this person has my best interest at heart, 
I've already, but because if I didn't feel it, then I don't need to be in relationship with them anyway. Yeah, I think it's a balance, right, of, of both because um, both perspectives have have um, have validity. Um, it's a matter of knowing yourself and taking whatever information. I always say to people, don't take what I tell you as the truth. It is information. You have to take that information, think about it, synthesize it, let it sit in your spirit and decide if you want to use 5% of it, 15% of it, 50% of it, or all of it. It's, it's up to you. At the same time, nobody exists in a vacuum. So one person say it to you, eh, okay, I need to consider it. Two people, hmm. If five people say the same, give you the five separate people give you the same feedback, you might should be thinking about that. If 10 people are giving you the same feedback, mm, it's probably something you need to look at. Unless, so, unless you are working in the modeling industry and you are a black woman and they are all telling you that you need to lose weight. Well, I mean, because so, you can be surrounded, but, but, but you can be surrounded by people, right? Let's say you're surrounded by people who are supposed to have your highest interests at heart, but in actuality, they don't, and you didn't realize it. And so they're all telling you the same message because they think they're helping you, but ultimately they're not. That can happen. It, so it, that's why I'm saying you always have to know what your truth is so that you can measure the reality that you're in against your own truth and then see it as, uh, be able to weigh whether it really is in your favor or not. But you can stay in your truth and, you, I mean, it, it reaches a point where you can rationalize anything and stay in your truth because this is my truth. But really- Right, because you ultimately are the one who deals with the consequences or the benefits of that. And so do I need to change my behavior or do I need to change my environment? Do I need to change my behavior or do I need to change my relationship? Do I need to change my behavior or do I need to change my family environment? You know, it's like, do what, what, like, which one is the truth? Like you always have to measure that and weigh that because that's always something that you have to think through. Yeah. I think, um, ultimately it comes back to what is going to move me along my path mm -hmm. in my best interest. Right. And which is more valuable to you. And everybody has to make that choice. Um, as a clinician, I observe people who do things that really aren't in their best interest. I, I watch people all the time bang their head against the wall. And I'm going, just walk through the door over there. There's a door right there. But they want to keep banging their head against the wall. Right. I, have to, I have to say, well, you must, there must be a bigger lesson that you got to get from banging your head against the wall. Right. But whenever you get tired of doing that, you want to come to this door, I can show you that door right there, right? right. So I can't take it personal that that's the choice they want to make, mm -hmm. right? At the same time, they can go to 10 different people who are going to give them that same feedback, that same objective feedback. Um, and so one can make, make the, the, use your point and make the argument that, well, I may not have their best interest, or I may think I have their best interest, but I don't. I'm really. not saying that you don't. I'm just saying that that we still have to consider that. And that's but yeah, why maybe I said, you do, that's and why maybe everybody who's saying it to them is right. But I just feel like people still have to um, go through that process of evaluating, you know, the feedback that they get and where it fits and whether it is it matches with their personal truth. And that's why you can I kind of feel it, you know. Yeah, everybody's responsible for their for the information and what they do with it, right? Mm -hmm. I just give information. Um, at the same time, I know that people interpret information the wrong in ways that are not healthy, not only for them, for their families, for their children. Yeah. I, I watch that all the time. I mean, somebody could take that logic to an extreme and say, "Well, it's okay for me to be on crack." Right, this crack is helping me, but meanwhile, their children are suffering. They're they're stealing money. They they aren't taking care of themselves. Right, so th there has to be a balance at some point. And, and so, and this gets into the question of: Is there even a concept of rightness? 
right? Yeah. Do we want to um, be in a space where we're in judgment of what people are doing in, in, in terms of it? Are there things that we can say are definitely wrong? A father could say, oh, well, that's my daughter. I should be able to do whatever I want with her. And he can rationalize that that's his path and that's his judgment. He could follow that line of, of thinking. But would any of us say that that's a, a positive thing? That that's right? No, none of us would. No, none of us would agree with that. So there has to be a line drawn where we say, okay, at a, at a certain point, we have to come outside of ourselves. We can't just rationalize. We can't allow ourselves to be in a space where we rationalize behavior that really isn't serving. And that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not my argument at all. All I'm saying is that you have to find the balance between getting feedback from people and knowing what your personal truth is and being able to analyze the two things to find out what is the ultimate truth. And I feel exactly that same way. That's not a disagreement at all that we have. No. And I think we're all agreeing. Right. All I am saying is, and it's not even about what I feel about myself. It's about the opportunity to have effective communication. And sometimes effective communication means I close my mouth and I open my ears. And that, that sometimes has to happen. Even I had to learn how to do that sometimes, even when I felt like I was right, mm -hmm. because I wanted a solution more than I wanted to be right. right. And if I want the solution and I'm interacting with someone whether it was my mother and I knew she had my best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. There were times I needed to close my mouth, open my ears and my heart to what they are saying so that I don't have to feel what they feel or even agree with what they're saying, but make an effort to even understand how they could feel what they feel. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that this is how they felt? Is that my desired intention? I'll tell this one story. I, was, I dated a guy for a while. It's a short period, and we stopped dating. And about a year later, he called me. And he wanted to, he apologized, and he wanted to know, was there anything that he did that he should have done differently? Or he was asking me about how I felt about his behavior. Hmm. My reply to him was, if what you are doing is it working for you what you are doing is it getting you your desired outcome mm -hmm. if it is then you don't need to change anything right. but if your behavior is not getting you your desired outcome then maybe you do need to think about what is it that you need to change so that you are able to get your desired outcome yeah. and i have learned that it's not always about what i say and me winning and being right that sometimes it's about calming down, being a little more quiet, listening, so that I can put myself on the same side as the person that I'm interacting with and we aren't in an adversarial type situation. I think that sometimes we get, that it is very true that you have to take care of yourself and be beware and be aware of who you have in your circle. Um, and coming from a family where domestic violence was prevalent, I understand that clearly. And that was probably how I got to be the person who wanted to speak up and I'm going to tell you what I think. And that wasn't always the way in order, it, the way I needed to operate in order for me to get to my des desired outcome. So that thing that that guy did is like one of the most important things um, that people can do when trying to heal themselves or to find uh, their self-analysis is asking for feedback from, from sources that they trust and from sources that do have their highest interest. Because if you go down the line and you call the people who you've been in relationship with, you know, over your whole life and you ask for feedback on a particular issue, then you will be able to see the truth of yourself you know, you will be able to collect all that data and all that evidence and then look at it 
and then say, oh, I did this again, and I did this again, and I did this again. Not that they're, you know, coming to you and saying, you did this, but that you are collecting, you are reaching out and saying, hey, Glenda, what did I do to you? <laughs> so that you can, you know, sort of get to the bottom of your own behavior and then take responsibility for it. And so um, I think that, um, you know, kudos to him for doing that because a lot of people don't do that. And oftentimes we do find ourselves pointing the finger or, um, you know, thinking that it's the other person's fault. And, um, and we don't, we don't want to look at the things that we're doing to co-create the situation. Yeah. One of the things that um, I was asked to do, I was in therapy, a uh, family therapy, um, a third wife. And um, so there were four stepchildren and there was a lot of conflict about um, the rules of the household and how we um, regulate things. And the, the therapist asked me to have a conversation with the children and to, well, not a conversation. It was them having a conversation with me. And I was not to say anything for the entire time. I was only to listen. And that was one of the most difficult things I had to do. Um, not recognizing at the time, what he was asking me to do was take my ego out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, a, a huge part of self-healing is the removal of ego. Mm -hmm. And so that was one example of an exercise that forced me to be in that space. Um, and it was a challenge to do that because they're saying these things that I don't believe are true, <laughs> that I know aren't, weren't true, right? But I had, <laughs> I had to listen to their perspective and just not try to explain it away, not try to add a rationale just to hear it out. And I had to trust that he was doing the work he needed to do to set things up to produce the change that needed to happen. So in other words, as a therapist, I had to stop being the therapist and let somebody else do their job and trust that he was getting somewhere by doing what it was that he asked me to do. And in fact, he was because everything else came out in a wash in the long run. And um, so there was, I, I ultimately got the justification. You know, it, it's not about winning, but um, things played out because when you do what you're supposed to do and other people aren't doing what they're supposed to do, that's going to ultimately show up, mm -hmm. right? Um, but there's a process to get there. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, stopping the fight, fight, fight. I got to be right. I got to be right. And saying, okay, there's another way of looking at this and mm -hmm. I can take my ego out of it and allow for this process to unfold. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think that in, in, in so many different areas of my life, that has been one of the, one of the foremost things, removing ego and yeah. being in a space of, uh, true self-reflection um and that that can be a challenge yeah it's been a challenge yeah. yeah it's interesting because um i think that we oftentimes uh allow our ego to block us from really seeing ourselves from really seeing like who we truly are because you know if you think about it like over our lifetime we're sort of assigned all of these roles and identities and attributes, you know, and people say, oh, you're nice, you know, you're so nice, you're so nice. And, you know, you can grow up and hear that all the time and then you will decide that, oh yes, I am nice. So then even when you're mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. you still think, but I'm not mean, I'm nice. You can't be right, you know, you can't be saying that I'm doing something mean because I'm nice, everybody knows I'm nice. And so, you know, it's like I'm, I'm starting to run into people and even recognize within myself that, you know, there are these attributes and these labels that we also carry around that are connected to our ego that we have a hard time uh, letting go of if it doesn't fit into our identity, you know, so I can, you know, I've always been told I'm so smart. I'm so smart. Oh, you're brilliant. You're a genius. And then I do something really dumb, right? Because I'm an Aries. And so sometimes, you know, I just don't know what I'm doing, you know, and, and people are like, that was not very bright. You know, like, why would you do that? And I'm like, but I'm smart. What do you mean? Of course it was bright. You know, it can't be, I can't be dumb because, you know, I'm, 
I'm, a, I'm smart. You told me I was a genius for, you know, 30 years of my life. And so I think that we all do that in some way. And so it makes it hard for us to see um, all the different parts of us and that each of us is sort of like a universe, you know, within ourselves and mm-hmm. every single attribute is available to us. And so we have to like be open enough to consider that, yeah, you know, you, everyone's always told you you're pretty, you know, but today you're ugly. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, that thing that you just did, <laughs> that's not pretty. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it, that, that is, that is really a, a hard, a hard thing to, to sort of accept sometimes. Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to hear critical feedback. You know, um, one of the things that I like to think that um, I'm good at doing, I remember being in college and um, asking uh, classmates to re- proofread my paper. And most people wouldn't want to do that because they didn't want to see, they didn't want people to see what their writing was like. But my mindset was I'd rather have three people read it and then I can turn it in and make an A than turn it in and make a C or a D. Right. Um, so I, I I always thought that I was good at receiving feedback, but it's hard to hear things about yourself that aren't flattering, that aren't the positive things you're talking about, Zawadi. Um, and so if, if I so give some personal a personal example, um, I am not the most I have not historically been the most emotionally connected person. Um, and you know, my first wife would probably would would rightfully say that I was emotionally distant. Um, that has been a, that's not something that's flattering to hear. To be cold and distant and aloof. Um, but at the time, I didn't think that was the case because I had all these wonderful qualities. I you know I finished this degree so quickly. I'm intelligent. I'm smart. I, I cook. I clean. I take care of children. Um, you don't want to hear the negative thing. At least I didn't. Um, and it took a while before I was able to consciously reflect and appreciate that, yeah, there are aspects of me that um, have that. And still, even though I've done a lot of work to improve it, it's still there. It, you know, you talk about being in Aries, maybe it's related to me and my being a Scorpio. I don't know. Um, but it's something that I, that I recognize and I can be accountable for. So part of the self-healing is, is accountability and being able to own your stuff. Um, and so I can say, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not so good with that. And some days I can be better at it. And some days I default back to that, um, to that, to that not so positive space. And I got to say, okay, you got, why are you doing that? Come out of that. Um, but it took, a while for me to really grasp what it meant to be that person because I just didn't want to hear that about myself. Nope, that's not me. Nope, I'm yeah. good. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm I'm the master grudge holder. <laughs> you know, I can hold a grudge with anybody. Um, but you know, I had to do the work to be at a space where I don't hold grudges like that anymore. You know, that's the self work that um, has to has to take place. Yeah. And I think like when sometimes we don't want to face, you know, the truth about ourselves or even deal with any, um, you know, ne- especially not negative things, because I think that for forgiving yourself and like being easy with yourself mm-hmm. is like one of the hardest things. Um, it's, it, it seems to be so much easier to forgive other people. Um, but you have to be with yourself all the time. And, and I know, you know, you probably counsel people all the time on the, the dialogues that they have in their own head and the way that they treat themselves. And so then on the flip side, we have these people who are way too self-critical. You know, my son is like that where every single thing he does is a problem for him. You know, he never feels like he does anything correctly. Any criticism that anyone gives him, he immediately accepts it and believes it to be true. Um, he, he's not able to, um, just like, you know, say, oh, I did something wrong, but it's okay, you know, and I'll do better next time. You know, it's this sort of, you know, uh, drilling of himself, you know, you did it wrong, did it wrong, did it wrong again, did it wrong again. And, and so, you know, sometimes people cannot have a difficult time doing self-analysis and listening to anyone's criticism or, or feedback because of, you know, the, the 
the, the self-abuse that goes on in their own mind internally is so painful that they can't, um, they can't use the, the, the criticism co- uh, collector constructively. Mm-hmm. They can't use it to, to implement a positive change. It, it, it can debilitate them or make them, you know, fall into, uh, you know, maybe an anxious space or um, a space that is painful. And I think either one of those extremes is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like it's again about balance. Like it's not, it's unhealthy to be overly critical of yourself. It's also unhealthy to not do the self-evaluation mm-hmm. and look at you. It, it's not even your behavior one time because you can be a nice person and do something mean. There's polarity in everything. You can be a beautiful person and do something ugly. Mm -hmm. you know it's not like it's an absolute but again it needs to be balanced Mm -hmm. and if if consistently you're getting the same thing over and over again or you're doing the same thing and and you're getting this same result but you really want something different then on this journey it's important to if i want a different result i need to have different behavior yeah or again maybe you know maybe the slice of pie that you're trying to have is not the pie for you you know there there could be something about you know you trying to eat apple pies and you should be having cherry pies because that's what i see with my son a lot is like you know he would beat himself up about you know he's not getting a's in math but you're not you know that that's not your subject you know you should focus on your language arts because you that's the different behavior so that's all I'm saying. There would be a different behavior. Then let's don't, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm not getting my desired result. It's not saying the desired result from that thing. Mm-hmm. It's about your internal um, barometer, how you are feeling about yourself, like that whole, it's all about knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily that you have to get, like we sometimes say we want something and we expect it to get it a certain way. And we have to sometimes open up to the way in which the universe, the, the most high spirit will give you what you want isn't always the way you see it coming to you. It may come packaged really different than what you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And there are times that we, we have to be a little more open and a little more flexible, a little more pliable. Um, have a level of fluidity that we are able to adapt. I believe that without that, even in what we're dealing with now, with the virus and our economy and the racial unrest and all of that, that if we are not going to be able to be flexible and adapt to some of the changes that are happening, uh, we're going to lose it. I mean, I see a whole lot of um, Karens and Kins (laughs) that are losing it on video because they you know they want things to be their way mm-hmm. so. yeah. I, I wish we um you know i think about this in terms of how we come to be the way we are and and, and have these things you know um and a large part of it some of it is our personality but a large part of it is what we have put into us um as children and if i could kind of design a way to to parent children in a way that allows them to really just be who they are and Mm -hmm. love themselves and not adapt or take on any of the negativity or the critical nature of things like we take on a lot of garbage from the earliest ages that Mm -hmm. impact us because those first first seven years are so critical in determining who we're gonna be, and when we're t- when we're when people say things like, "Oh, you're so dark," or um, "Oh, you're you're even giving a compliment, you're pretty for a dark girl," or "Oh, he's gonna be a player," oh, or "Oh, he he's just he, he don't think fast enough," or you know, simple things that little throwaway comments that the child can hear and internalize and carry that with them for the rest of their life. And that then impacts the way they think about themselves, the way they interact with others in relationship. 
the, the level of self-confidence and self-esteem they may be they may have, it impacts all of that. Mm-hmm. And so being able to create a sense of overwhelming self-love, confidence, assurance that you are great, you are wonderful, you are God's gift, you can accomplish whatever you put your mind to, being able to have that as the focus from from birth, I think would eliminate a lot of this stuff that that we um, ultimately have to be faced with. Yeah, then I've been playing the devil's advocate because I read, I think it was in Taoist philosophy, um, that positive reinforcement is just as uh, as dangerous as abuse. Because in this philosophy, they were saying that you are to focus on the actual accomplishments of the child and not the attributes of the child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so interesting, too, because, of course, you know, here we are constantly trying to give um, positive reinforcement and make every child feel like they are, you know, a wonderful person full of, you know, which is what we think of them. You know, but I, I, and I haven't, you know, been able to implement that philosophy at all because I just read about it. But, but I, I wonder sometimes if we, if the way that we measure ourselves um, was based upon our small successes in all the things that we're doing, whether we would be able to let go of ego a lot easier right. mm-hmm. because we wouldn't be you know, thinking, I'm so wonderful, I'm so wonderful, we would be thinking, this pie I made is wonderful, you know, or the way I made my bed up is wonderful, you know, and, and it would, like, shift the focus a bit. Yeah, um, uh-huh. yeah I was going to say the challenge is to do that without involving ego. Right, so, right, because we teach yeah, yeah. kids ego at a young age, like, right. we, like it's yeah. all up in our society. Right, and, and that's, that, on the other end of the spectrum, if you are doing that too much, you're great, you're great, you're great, then you have this idiot that's currently leading this country. Who yeah. <laughs> is, right? Because he's been told he's so great. He's so right. great. He's got his plate. Right. So you see that with a lot of kids who are just, um, just overbearing, spoiled, what have you, because that's what they've been fed and mm-hmm. there's no balance there either. So with everything for me, I'm always going to talk about balance. Yeah. yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. And then you have the whole other element of self-healing where, you know, we're starting to address our past life issues, ancestral issues, issues of, you know, connection and um, influence by spirit entities or, you know, connectedness to God and religion, you know, all of those things that um, sometimes are not as understood and also need to be healed and also affect our behavior in our path and our experiences in this world. And so that's like a whole nother area of uh, mm-hmm. self-healing that a lot of people are starting to, um, to get into because, um, you know, it's like sometimes those behaviors that you have, you might not be able to make logical sense out of it because it didn't happen to you in this world. <laughs> and might, you know, you'd be analyzing and analyzing and analyzing, trying to get to the root of it, but the root is not here. And so, you know, that's the other part that's kind of blowing my mind these days is that in being spiritual beings, you know, so much of our personalities also even transcend this particular experience. Yeah. There's like, uh, I was talking to a, a guy today about multi-generational trauma. And I use the example of my grandfather who, um, never said I love you to my father until he was on his deathbed, you know, dying of cancer. Mm. But that doesn't mean that he didn't love my father. He didn't have the luxury at that time. My father was born in 49. He didn't have the luxury to be this um, new age man where he can um, be nurturing. He, he had to parent in a way that I got to save your life. I got to teach you how to survive in the Jim Crow South where you could be hung for something silly, right? So I, it's, it's got to be disciplined. It's got to be firm. And so he was a hard worker. He provided for his family. He took care of his family. And that was his way of showing love. My dad um, reached a point where he then began to be able to say, I love you. Mm. I made a decision that from the time my son was born, I was going to always say, I love you. And so you see the change in 
just something as simple as that can have a huge impact in overcoming what is a generational thing. And mm -hmm. so we have to give honor to my grandfather for setting the way for me to even be here. It's not about, oh, he's, he's bad for not saying that. No, his situation, his environment did not even allow for that to be an, op an option for him. Right. right. And so we build on the shoulders of those who have come before us. And the self-healing is extending and making them proud by taking what they gave us and doing it even more. It's taking it a step further and doing it better. And so I expect my son to even take what I've done. And he's thinking about things that I didn't think about until, you know, 10 years after, like he's 23 now. I wasn't thinking about stuff he's thinking about till I was probably in my 30s. Exactly. And so it's good yeah. to see him able to process these deeper level things, even as he still gets to be 23. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? um, but it's, it's shifting. And so hopefully with his children, he's able to do it, do it a little better than, than I did. Yeah. And I think that's important too, to note is that, you know, sometimes I, I tell myself, especially in healing other people and trying to heal myself, some of the, these lessons, some of these changes, we may not, you know, get them all in this lifetime. It right. might happen in the next lifetime or it might happen in our children, or it might be something that we're able, you know, to, um, to help someone else to integrate. And it's like, we, we just have to keep trying, you know, but there's no end result. Like there's no finish line. Like you can't just keep pulling yourself apart, pulling yourself apart, pulling yourself apart. You know, at some point there has to be some ease. There has to be, you know, some acceptance that, you know, no one is perfect, including yourself. And, you know, you just, you, you, you keep trying, but at the same time, you can't expect, you know, that everything that you identify, you're going to be able to solve in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that we limit ourselves when we say that. But then I get what you all say, absolutely. But I believe that if we were able to use more of our mind, like use our mind to make the changes, like our ancestors solved a whole lot in their lifetime mm -hmm. because they used more of their brain and they were, they were not conditioned to be limited the way that we have been conditioned to limit ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I feel about it. I believe that we are nowhere near living up to how perfectly we were created, that we are, we are creations that were created perfectly and that we have so much more ability to do so much more than we do. And it's not even about how much money we make, the house we live in, the car we drive or any of that. Mm. Our perfection and our great ability is as in the spirit realm has nothing to do with that. And I do believe that we, we have limited ourselves. So that's just how I feel. Does the self-healing allow one to get to that space? To what? Where, where you can utilize the totality of your, your brain. I don't know that spirit. we're, we're going to get to the totality of it, but I do believe that we can increase the amount that we are, that we can tap, into more of our power than we tap into. Mm -hmm. That's just how I feel. No, I, I That's the trying that. though. That's where all is agreeing. That's the trying. You keep trying, you know, you keep trying to tap into all of it, but you have to guard against, you know, being too overboard with, um, you know, with, with self analysis, you can really uh, damage yourself <laughs> if you go too far with it. And then one of our cardinal so things is like, know thyself. That's one of the things. And so how can, I don't believe that I can be too, like I can do too much mm -hmm. in the process of knowing thyself. Like I think that is something that I enjoy doing. It's not about me just breaking myself down. It's about um, breaking down what I, what is not giving me my desired outcome to build what will. Well, the problem comes when people spend too much time knowing themselves and they're not being themselves. So they're not necessarily enjoying the journey or they're not, um, you know, being in the now, you know, and, 
and enjoying, you know, being happy in life because they I have seen people who have gone overboard and they're like constantly, you know, pulling things out of themselves and analyzing and trying to fix. And there's no, there's no softness for themselves. There's no happiness. There's no joy in that activity. And so I think I, I, well, I, I just feel like for me, I, I try to start and stop, you know, like do a bit and then, okay. You know, because, I have seen people who they're just constantly, constantly doing that and, and it, it, they can hurt themselves. I've been one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> now just, I'm, I'm a lot more gentle with myself. Um, I, I, I work as my brother Hanif taught me. And, and as I say all the time, as my personal model, live my life fully 86,400 seconds every single day. Um, I really just uh, try to, be, even as I'm striving to be better and I'm constantly, you know, I can't stop myself from thinking, but I do work to be more loving and more gentle with myself and to not beat myself up when I don't um, get, get something right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this is, this is a, like we got, there's, there's, we're just scratching the tip of the surface here. There's a lot more. I have, I have all these things percolating in my mind about this concept um, on the evolution and these things that come back to come back to me in terms of things that I did uh, along my path, and I'm sure you all do too. Uh, so, in, in addition, I'm sure people listening probably are wanting to jump in and say, "Oh, what about this?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the no time way. goes by so fast; um, it, it doesn't even seem like we, you know we just got started. So we'll have to come back to this topic and, and follow up and continue to explore and think about some of these concepts in, in, in greater detail. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this has been a light, uh, an enlightening, enlightening and lively conversation. So we, as always, thank our wonderful people for joining and listening and um, providing feedback. We're so appreciative that you take the time to hear what we have to offer and hope that it serves your soul and your spirit and moves you forward. And we will be talking with you in our next session. Have a good night. Yeah, talking I about the spirit. spirit. <laughs> so in closing, we'd like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive, and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. And I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.